Good morning. Let's begin. We were given a little bit of time this morning because of the potluck, uh, so we were a little bit delayed getting started out. Tom McManus is going to watch us out. I was at his house yesterday. He's 67th birthday, celebrating with him. And Tom said, what's the word of the Lord, Carol? What are you getting? I said, Psalms 43. And his eyes got bigger around than saucers. He said, you're not going to believe this. He takes his phone out. He said, I've also been in Psalms 43. And so um, I asked him to come up and uh, launch us out in uh, Psalms 43 this morning. God and plead my case against an ungodly nation. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man, for you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why, have, why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. And upon the guitar, I shall praise you, O God, my God. That actually says liar, but uh, guitar I think is more appropriate. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why are you disturbed within me? hope in God, for I shall again praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places, then I will go to the altar of God. That's where we're going. That's where we want to go. Do you want to go? Let's go together. Let's go to those places. Repeat after me. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Be led by light and truth. want to be led by light and truth, Lord God. Uh, it gave me this uh, picture of uh, being with Janie uh, back many years ago in a deep forest uh, by Cape Cod, and it was so dark in the forest that we could barely see the hand in front of us, and we had to walk this path in the middle of dark and I, I was basically have one hand in front of me uh, just thinking I was going to go walk right into a tree uh, and Janie said just calm down and she said if you look up at the sky the sky is was lighter than the darkness of the forest and you could actually see the path because the trees 
uh, had had the path in them. So she said, look up, feel the sand, because on the path had sand on it, and move forward. And of course, in a Janey kind of way, she would just very easily go forward. And at first, I was just holding the back, but then released and trusted in the lights, trusted in going on the path. And I believe that God wants us to trust in the light and the truth as we're seeking to go to his holy mountain, as we're seeking to go to his dwelling place, as we're seeking to go to the altar of God. He's saying, trust me, because this narrow path is not one that many follow, and we just almost have to do it step by step. And wide is the way that leads to destruction. And he's saying, trust in me. Trust in the light and the truth, and I will guide you to my tabernacle.
believe the Lord wants to address something in this um, event before we can really launch out into the deep. I got to listen yesterday to Bill Johnson's uh, testimony from, I believe, this last week because his wife had passed away. And it's a really uh, wonderful marriage. And I was able to listen to his message yesterday uh, with Kara. And we just sat on the bed, really, and you know, I just wept because he addresses the issue of grieving and proper grieving within God's people because many of us, some of us down our journey, we've, we've been through so much in our obedience to the Lord and our faithfulness. And yet, we know this kind of thing that we got to muster up strength and get our act together and make sure things come off right but maybe deep down inside we're pushing some things uh, aside I didn't think it's by chance at all that the Lord would introduce to Tom McManus and myself Psalms 43 because David is dealing with oppression and depression 
in the middle of this movement to go towards God's dwelling place. It's a legitimate uh, emotion. It's not something that we delegitimize because we got to just go put on a uh, happy face every time and act like nothing's wrong when something really is going on. And that, that maybe some of us are dealing with pain and we're trying to shove it. And God wants to address it. And it's okay. I like something that he said. He said that, and we use language around here of vacancy and darkness. And he said that when God is bringing us into a deeper place, even within darkness or even within the vacancy, it's to produce childlikeness in us, a dependency upon himself. And there's a trust transfer that, that's going to happen this morning. I believe that we, but we must address this situation. There's a trust transfer that has to happen in our heart where we transfer this, maybe a background of pain, and we're going to hand it over to the Lord this morning and just let him have it. We've been faithful. You've been faithful. You said yes to him, but along the journey comes those places of pain. Sometimes we just got to let him have it. Some things haven't worked out. Some of our expectations didn't come off the way that they, we thought they would. And one of the tendencies in, that can happen to us is that we, we can lose hope and get into unbelief. Now, you can come here and be in unbelief. And you can come here and be in hope. But it's a choice in ourselves where we say, I'm going to trust you. After Jesus was raised from the dead... Mary Magdalene runs to the disciples. This is God's core team. This is Jesus' core team. He says, he's been raised from the dead. And it says, and they did not believe her. And then later on, the two guys on the road to Emmaus, he's going to reveal himself to them. And they're going to go tell the disciples. And the, you know what the disciples do? They're afraid and they don't believe. These are the guys that have been as close to Jesus as anybody has been, and ladies that have been right next to him, and they're dealing with this place of unbelief in their heart. David's dealing with it in Psalms 43. Why? Could someone plead my cause before an ungodly nation of an unjust people? Could you plead my cause? Could someone stand up for me? Who's going to stand up for me? Because as you know, if you go on with the Lord, you know that know this that you have one advocate with the father the man jesus christ and if you tried you've tried to go and advocate for yourself and you found that it didn't work you had to transfer your trust over to him and in the questioning there and in the pain of do i tr are you going to come through and some of us have had our expectations not be met and we shut down and we still can put on a face and can still say I believe but still something inside is hurting let's deal with it let's let the Lord have it I'm not saying it's everybody here but let's just let him have it let's transfer that trust over to him a transfer of hope Thessalonians 4, listen to, what he, listen to what he writes. 
I do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep. In the church, we know that that means people who have passed on, right? We call it falling asleep. I don't want you to grieve like the rest who have no hope. I want you to grieve with hope. I don't want you to grieve like the rest that are in unbelief or have no hope. I want you to grieve as one who has hope because I'm going to trust in your resurrection power to deliver. He said if there is no resurrection, we would be up men, utmost miserable. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, we also believe that God will bring him those who have fallen asleep as Christians. I tell you the word of the Lord. Those of us who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will surely not go ahead of those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord is coming down from heaven. the shout, a shout of a command, the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise. And those who are alive and are left will suddenly be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Come on. Something that it, he's been saying this to me for a long time. Yes, there is a literal second coming, but there is a coming now. That's what we're experiencing in these events. We're experiencing the Lord coming down. The glory cloud has been coming down on over this pavilion. There's a transfer of trust that's happening in you uh, to him. And though we have set in darkness, and though our enemy has exalted himself over us and gloated over us, we shall rise and meet him in the air. Listen. Today. Today. There's a literal second coming, yes. But there's a coming now. There's a coming right now. There's a coming that he's comes to us now.
I will trust you again and again, again. Even when I falter, I will trust you again and again. Oh, the horn of my salvation, the horn of my salvation, the horn of my salvation. Let it sound, let it sound, the horn of my rescue. You will rescue me, you will rescue me. I will trust you, Lord. I will trust you.
right words won. Call now, is there anyone who will answer you? To which of the holy ones will you turn? For wrath kills the foolish person and anger slays the silly one. I myself have seen the fool taking root, but suddenly I cursed his place of residence. His children are far from safety and they are crushed at the place where judgment is rendered. Nor is there anyone to deliver them. The hungry eat up his harvest and take it even from behind the thorns and the thirsty swallow up their fortune. For evil does not come up from the dust nor does trouble spring up from the ground. But people are born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward. But as for me, but as for you, come on, but as for me, I would seek you, Lord. But as for me, come on, but as for me, but as for me, Lord, I seek your face, but as for me, I turn to you, Lord. Job chapter 5 verse 1 there's a pleading right now before the courtroom of heaven now on behalf of this nation and this nation's situation we must enter into this with the Lord enter into this now with the Lord we're asking you for this nation Lord for an awakening to come Lord like Daniel Lord, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us, Lord, for our nation's sins, Lord. Pray with me. Pray to the Lord. Lift up your voice to the Lord. Pray. Pray. The whole nation's on the line.
Recognize it? Yes, I will make a road in the wilderness and paths in the wasteland. And the opening verses be encouraged. Now, this is what the Lord says The one who created you, O Jacob, and formed you, O Israel, don't be afraid, for I will protect you. I call you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I am with you. When you pass through the streams, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, flames will not harm you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Deliverer. I've handed over Egypt as a ransom price, Ethiopia, Seba, place of you. Since you are precious and special in my sight, and I love you, I will hand over people in place of you, nations in place of your life. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. From the east I will bring your descendants, from the west I will gather you.
Dressed in white We hold Is dipped in blood The the Lord, bless the Lord, hallelujah, bless the Lord, bless the Lord, hallelujah, bless the Holy name. 
As we begin this morning, Psalms 43, 3 again. David had wrote in Mahanim or Mahanim or however you say it. He had penned these words over there in, in a time of great national travesty when Absalom had found his place on the throne and he penned he penned these words because he was in Mahanim which means uh, the dance of the two camps and he knew that he needed a impartation of light in the middle of that dark place 
to take him back across the Brook Kidron to set up uh, the government of God. And, man, he says, reveal your light. And your faithfulness. Another translation in the Hebrew, it says, send forth your light. Stephen, uh, we began, he's like, out of darkness will come forth a light. Have you, how is that possible? You, you ever thought about that? Just... Out of darkness will come forth a light. How do you get light out of out of the dark? You know, in Scripture, it'll say that there'll be neither sun nor moon, but He Himself will be our light. I think David knew that the only way to transition, to make a crossing. Something had to break out in him in, in the middle of this darkness called a body. And light had to manifest itself that God was looking for this in him, in Maha Nim, in the, in the dance of the two camps in, in exile. Now, I heard the Lord this morning. He said to me, he said to me, tell them, um, like a congratulations. Congratulations. You're not in exile anymore. It's when home is home. It's when home is here and home is there. It's when home has be finally become home. She you know what I mean? It's when God has found a resting place in you. He's not striving with you anymore. He's not trying to get you into something. You've said, Lord, let, let your light send forth your light. He's proving himself to be faithful. And if you've not proved God in his faithfulness, I recommend that you not hedge. I recommend, I recommend that you run all the way up with all your objections and everything that you have and your impossibility and watch him break through. He is completely faithful. At every moment and every time, he will always meet you. Maybe not your expectation, but he is always, always permanently uh, faithful and I didn't trust him I didn't in so many ways you know I've told the story before but he'd tell tell me okay now get up you've been in prayer you've been worshiping me you know now go I was like we don't have any gas we don't have any food you know you have what you need you have your sword don't you remember that in Luke they, they went and sold all their little things that they were carrying, and he says, uh, take everything you have and go buy a sword. Y'all know this? There's six different trans 
six different interpretations on that text by scholars. And Jesus will say, take your purse and your, the way that you're handling your financial exchange, take your, take your, all these implements that they had is going on the journey, says, sell it all and buy a sword. And they come back and they bring two swords. Remember that? And he said, that'll be enough. <laughs> you don't need anything else but God's word. You, you don't need to go on anything else but the very word of God. You don't need, you don't need a pat on the back. You don't need uh, some other support system that's telling you uh, this is how this is going to work. What you need is the very word of God. That's all you need. I suffered you to hunger in the exile in the wilderness so that you would know. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. And that God in some way would take his logos and make it into rhema in us. And the word would become flesh and dwell. You don't need anything else but a sword. What? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And the word that dwells richly in you, the word, you breathe in the word. You, you know him so intimately because he's with you. What else do you need? And he proves himself and his faithfulness to us. And David says, he says this because this is what he needed to go back, to go and cross that brook Kidron. The darkness had been great, maybe even in his own soul, even for all these years. And, it, and in some way had spawned Absalom. It was a projection of, of David in some way, even though he's his legitimate son. Is projecting out from who David actually was, working an angle, probably. Manipulating and controlling environments. God's got to get that out. Look, if you would, at uh, Psalms 43 this morning. We'll, we'll just go deeper into it, look at it today together. You probably could say that, have we not, or are we not in the dance of two camps? They're called the blues and the reds. The crown reaper came to expose everything. You know what I'm saying. The crown virus. It came as an exposing agent. It expo exposed the hypocrisy of the blue and the red. Because we weren't meant to be in parties. We we're a family. And it was either going to bring us together or divide us. And in some cases it divided so many. But you know as well as I did, many of us had to dig deep. Deep into that area and let God work in us. Are you going to be afraid? Are you going to trust me? Um, David's been at Mahanim, the dance of the two camps. He's been in the place where there's a divided, a, div a division. There's a division on the other side of the Brook Kidron in Jerusalem. You know, I, I say this probably as, and I think it's my word today, foreground. 
I, I say this in retrospect more so to you today than in uh, prospect or looking ahead because I'm going to take the testimony of the Lord this morning that you've crossed over. I have to take his testimony. I, I'm not here to pronounce anything but his word, but he told me that. He said, tell them that they're out of exile. And uh, you, you know that it, it is improper of you to pick up a wilderness conversation for any longer. You're going to have to uh, disconnect yourself from a wilderness mindset, for you are the people of promise. You are the people of the resurrection. The wilderness for you, the exile for you is over. Now that is God's word to me to tell you. So when I'm looking at Psalms 43 today, and, and God, I don't know if the Lord, Holy Spirit does this for me all the time. He never usually tells me something up front, except, trust me, it's in retrospect that he tells me what just happened. It's his kindness that leads you to repentance. It's not him saying, look at you, you know, you got this messed up, that messed up, that messed up, and that messed up. <laughs> and man, could he ever do it to all of us? But he doesn't do that. I've, I'll tell you, I've not known the sweet Holy Spirit ever treat me like a finger pointer. And he's not dismissive like he disconnects because he sees something wrong and he can't hang out with you either. You know what I mean? Because we've all done it. And the Holy Spirit's so tender and kind. And he said, well, you, he'll even ask you. He doesn't even impose his will. Will you trust me with this? And then and, and we say, I don't really want to. Okay, I got a plan B and a plan C and a plan D. <laughs> I asked him one time, I said, what's the difference in the planning? He says, distance. He said, if you take plan D, it's going to take you longer than it would if you took plan A. And I said, oh, I don't want to do that. Like, if you're going to die, let's die fast and not be stuck with a fork. <laughs> let's deal with this let's get it over with screaming and yelling and you know as the Lord deals with it I'm not giving you a prescription I'm giving you a postscription this is postscript because the Holy Spirit wants you to understand uh, what's been going on with you he wants you to understand like we started out with the grieving process the release of our grief is necessary for crossing. David's going to go through this. You're going to go through this. You've already been going through this. You are on the other side. You're home. You're not trying to get home. He's found a home. Vindicate me, oh God. He's in Mahanim. Maybe you've prayed this same kind of prayer. I'll tell you, like, one of the most difficult things you, you have dealt with. I don't know how your thing goes on in your mind, but I'll just tell you how mine has been. If they would have done this, I wouldn't be in this. Here's another one. If I wouldn't have done this they would not be in this and what happens in the introspection of i their eye and my eye 
is what you'll find out if you'll go down deep into that really dark place that no one wants to go into vacancy is eyes not going to work. You've had to come to where you're holding someone else in a sense of liability, a sense of judgment or unforgiveness, or even yourself. Do you know why I, I has to come out? Because he himself was always meant to be there. But I did this. I've done that. They've done this. They've done that. I have overcome the world. <laughs> oh, man. Jesus. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And you're, you're giving command to your soul. Soul. We got these buttons on our bed. It was purchased for us. And this last week I, I was looking at because Manasseh, our son, he went in there and he took some comb or something. He broke one of the buttons and stuff like that just absolutely aggravates the living daylights out of me. Like we just got the bed. It's really in order and everything. And it's and a little brown button from Pottery Barn. Where are you going to find that thing? And it's just missing. It's got a button on either side, but one's in the middle. It's not there. And we're like, well, we got to order another one. And, and the word's like, that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm looking for it. I, even your son did this. Manasseh means causing one to forget the toils of your father's house. I'm wanting to take I out of the middle of this and put me there. You, you have to have had traveled this path before, and the Lord wants you to know this, where you've got to come to the place where you've quit blaming yourself, shaming your own self, taking that blame and shame from someone else, past, present, future, justifying yourself, putting yourself in, the, in that place. If I would, shoulda, coulda. If they would've, shoulda, coulda, and then... You've got to come to the place where you've got to move yourself out of that and let Jesus be there. Full dependency and full humility co-located together. It's a place of real trust. And what happens there, and David will say it in verse 1, vindicate me. Because if you're put in a place where you can't grasp it, and you've come to zero... No one else is going to vindicate because you're not going to do it anymore. If you've allowed yourself to come there, you're not going to hold the blame anymore and the guilt anymore on yourself. So you, you have to come to a place where you're just like, God, they don't understand. My child doesn't understand. My, my friends, they don't understand. I don't understand. I need a vindication. I can't fix this problem. And he cries out, oh God. Many of you in here, you've allowed yourself, you have to because this is a postscript, that you have allowed yourself to come to the end of holding yourself in a sense of liability or someone else. Holding judgment over others and you've come to a place where you've had to forgive yourself. 
Because he forgave you. Because look, you're going to see this in the text. There is no light that radiates from a source or a center. There cannot be a son of God that radiates from your center where you're at the center of it. Whether it's from guilt, which has been self-pity and fear, or if it's arrogance and self-righteousness, you know, a lot of us get that one, the arrogant one, but the self-pity and the, I don't deserve, and that is still I in the middle. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to drill down inside of you, and there is no more blame, and there is no more shame, and there is no more if you would have, should have, could have, if I would have, should have, could have. You just let him come near and break your button. <laughs> Fight for me against Manasseh. No, I'm just playing. Fight for me. Fight for me against the one who breaks my button. (laughs) You know, that's what we've done. We thought that the person or the situation that was representing against us, and we all have this. Every single one of us have that thing or that person or that situation that is rubbing us. You know. Yeah. Right. Let him go ahead and break the button. Let him go ahead and demolish the eye. And have a persona that comes from God himself. Have the personification of Christ in you, the hope of glory. Oh, what would he give to the human soul that would allow their button to be broke and not point the finger at the one who broke it? Let's see, we've done this. We pointed the finger at the one who broke the button. You caused me my pain. You caused me my problem. You are, right? And the Lord said, if you just be still and know that I am God. If they were just out of my life, if this situation wasn't in my life, that would be the solution. No, it wouldn't. That button needs to be broken. I like what he says. He says, deliver me from deceitful and evil men. Another translation says, uh, deceitful and unjust men. And you, know, you heard this. If you didn't last week, you can listen to it on SoundCloud at Galactic Progeny. But listen to last week on 2 Corinthians 4 with, in relationship to Paul. But he, he, he was saying that as far as I know, my conscience was, is clear. That I don't want any deception in me. I, I don't want some base layer of deception in me at all. I don't want to be unjust in the, in the least bit. I want justice to prevail in a righteous way in me. And, and I think that David is saying, deliver me from, deliver me from any deception. I don't want deception in my life. I want truth and faithfulness there. I want you to go down to the very core of this. David knows this, and it's in the Psalms or Proverbs, I believe it says, and maybe y'all know where this is at, but he says, 
When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. All those button breakers. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even your enemy to be at peace with you. Now, here's the thing. You've got to go on the line for that. You've got to trust God's word in that. He, I mean, apparently, Lucifer's sitting there at the table. David's writing Psalms 23. He prepares a feast for me in the presence of my enemy. Well, what's your enemy doing at your table? Feed your enemy. Bless your enemy. What's he doing there? Because when a man's ways please the Lord, that enemy has no influence over you. The only reason an enemy has any influence over you or gets you out of sorts, whatever that enemy may, may be, that button breaker may be, is because something in you is not right with him. Let's just get right about it. And the Lord wants to come in and clean us up like he was in worship this morning when fire begins to come and you become the burning ones. Your flame inside is hot with liquid love. It's fueled by the wind of the Holy Spirit. There's no unjustness there that you know of. There's no manipulation. There's no control. There's a complete, I'm yours. The button breakers have come. They're breaking things around you. They keep messing up your environment. Because he wants you. And I think in a lot of ways that's been the problem of our pain. And we've misinterpreted pain. Because we thought the button breaker was the cause of it. And the whole time it was God. God who is love. Penetrating down to the core. So that he could have a home with you. He wanted to set up an abode inside of you. David says this. I wonder if you felt this way. Why do you reject me? Why must I walk around mourning? Because someone broke my button. <laughs> I was just like, I'm going to overuse that today. But you'll get the point. <laughs> you know what you're, oh, yeah, they do say push your button. Well, oh, that's funny. I didn't even think of that until now. I just got mine broken. <laughs> Karen and I did, you know, forget pushing it, break it. <laughs> I'm tired of having my buttons pushed. I don't want to be characterized by that. Oh, if you, wait, you set them off again. Push the button. And God's like, just break the thing. Mash it, as they say in the South. <laughs> they made fun of me when I went to the Air Force when I was 18 because we were doing these little, you know, switches. I was an electrician on aircraft when I first, when I first got started. And I'm in there in motor and stator class and, and I, I spoke up and I said, so what do you do, Sergeant? You like just mash the button? <laughs> what are you going to do, Moffitt? You going to mash it? <laughs> what, you going to crush the thing? <laughs> crush it, you redneck from the, you know, I was like, what are y'all talking about? I've been mashing buttons my whole life. <laughs> I didn't know that was wrong. I was like, I know it's a TV show, but I, I didn't know <laughs> That it was wrong to say that. Just press the button, Moffat. Press the button. Was 
no mash it. Mash the slam mess out of that thing. <laughs> My son did. <laughs> now I feel rejected. <laughs> Nobody cares about my new blanket. <laughs> Why don't you care, Lord? <laughs> Always breaking something. Anyway, sorry. That's what we do, isn't it? He's going. He says, "Why must I walk around mourning? Fooched out. I'm just a loser. Nobody, nobody cares about me. I'm never about anything. <laughs> Why? What? And the Lord's like, I don't know." why you must walk around mourning stop doing it maybe you should sit down for a minute quit your mourning um, because he says my enemies are oppressing me i i love the text because it doesn't place us in some kind of denial he's not denying that things are happening in our life Buttons are being broken, and there's real pain that's going on in our life that people, we've been hurt, and we've been through something, and things are hard sometimes. And, you know, if someone is mourning, please show them compassion. You know, be with them in the middle of their trial. Don't be like, <laughs> I guess you got your button mashed. <laughs> you know, don't do that. Like, grieve with those that grieve. I'm not saying that because God's not saying that. He's not denying what you've been through. The text isn't in some kind of denial. But it is pointing us to another reality. It's pointing us to a reality here of revelation light. He's saying, I, I, need, I need a revelation. I'll tell you. If you, will get, if you will get this, Paul got this because he had a thorn of, in his side, you know what I mean? He was dealing with this. If you will get this, that on the other side of your button-mashing, crashing event is more than likely one of the greatest revelation moments that you're being set up for. If you can get a hold of this, I, you'll see that there is always a promise, yes. That is sitting on the other side of, of this place. This place that we've undone. God has a promise he's wanting to deliver. And I tell you, it's really important that you translate this right with the Lord. Because you can go around mourning and spend your whole week mourning and your ups and downs all night mourning. And be in the middle of that and miss the revelation of light. I'll be really freaking honest with you. Almost all the preaching I've done has been this mechanism. <laughs> Everything I've learned about God has come on the back end of a broken button. I want to hear that, Carol. Well, you might as well because you've already been going through it. This is your postscript. <laughs> I need a revelation of light. And what I find interesting in the text is revelation is something that is is received, but then he says something interesting in the Hebrew. It says, send forth your light. And so there's not just the internalization of light here, like a light soaker. I'm going to soak up all the light of revelation for me. He's saying, he's saying, I need a revelation of light, yes, so that it can break forth. I need something to touch me that I can give away. 
look at this with me, and I'll, I'll um, try to place this in another psalm, Psalm 68, 18. He says um, here, you ascend on high, you have taken many captives. Now, I'm going to give you my translation. I'm just going to say it up front. I'm mixing a translation with my translation based off my reading of the Hebrew. You ascend on high. He's going up into the heavens. You have taken many captives out of exile. Because it says you have taken many captives captive. But I went through and did all this study on that second captive, and it means when a king comes and liberates a people out of their captivity. And so the idea here that's in the Hebrew is, is you have taken captives out of exile. And as, and, and Stephen and I worked on this a couple weeks ago in our debrief, as bond servants, they're now voluntary lovers. Because Jesus' methodology as the king is not to come and conquer armies and conquer a people so that they all come subservient to him. Jesus does it another way. Jesus comes and gives up his own life for everyone and his life of love that he models and, and demonstrates on the cross is now, even this day, that while we're a sinner, he dies for us. And he moves in penal substitution. He takes the penalty, takes our sin, demonstrates his love towards us on the cross, and then in that way, um, in that way, he conquers. Because why? Because we become voluntary lovers. God will never impose his will on you. And he, like I said earlier, and he'll never get so aggravated with you that he'll disconnect from you. He's very gentle and he'll he's very kind and he'll come to you and he'll talk tenderly to you. And so because he's not an imposer and, and he's not a manipulator, he had to do this in a way that we would become voluntary lovers. When we ascend with him, because he's already seated, but as we're ascending with him, there's a release out of captivity. And out of captivity, and like I said, I declare to you today, out of exile. I declare you out of exile. I declare this is to be your mode. No more a wilderness mindset, but a promised people. A people like Stephen was saying to me earlier, people no longer called Jacob. But as an Israel, for as prince and princesses, you have wrestled with God and have prevailed. My circumstances don't tell me that, Carol. Your circumstances do not dictate your reality. If I could say anything, this is what he had to know deep down inside that God had found a home in me and my circumstances say nothing of where I'm at right now. But he found a home in me. And he says... I wanted a family of voluntary lovers. I gave up my life so I could get this. And here we are. And so many of us populating this whole entire globe. And more voluntary lovers to come. And I like this. He says, and this gets back at what we're looking at in Psalms 43. He says, you receive tribute from men. Even the sinful rebels. 
Well, you've heard those stories about the guy wins the lottery, comes to the pastor, says, I won this money. He's like, it's filthy lucre. <laughs> it's like, uh, well, we'll take it. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Even sinful rebels are bringing tribute. Even sinful rebels will bring tribute in the sense of they will bring honor to him and bring glory to him. As every knee, every knee is going to bow. Every knee. They bring tribute to him and give him the honor like we were singing today and the blessing that he is due, right? And, and listen to the text. Listen to what it says in 68.18. Indeed, the Lord God dwells there. You, got, you have to see this because in ascended life, people out of exile, voluntary loving family, receiving tribute, even from the world, giving glory to even God by their acts of not supposedly hating him gives him glory. Even he finds a place to settle there. God has, it says that he is enthroned, or in the Hebrew, it's uh, shakan, like uh, from uh, mishkan. God has found a place where he can settle down. Settling in the heart of the voluntary lover. Out of exile. Later on, though, it's interesting to me, Paul's going to quote this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. He's going to quote Psalm 68, 18. And notice the difference. Notice in the difference it says, And when he ascended on high, he captured captives. And listen to what it says, and he gave gifts to men. Oh, wait a minute. In Psalm 68, verse 18, it says he received tribute from men. Do you see it? But in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, it says he gave gifts. Back to Psalms 43. I need a revelation of light. What? To send forth. Do you see it? In the ascension, in the ascension motif, in the four components of the gospel, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, this is necessary for your life out of exile. The life in the exile was internalized or externalized in another eye around you. But the life of ascension, the life out of exile is one in which revelation light flows in you and back out of you. Do you see? It's not grasping. It's revealing. It's revelation light flowing out of darkness in your body, out from you into others. This is like the component of exile because what we had done in the fall we had got so introspective and started to begin to be self-absorbed and got so egocentric and it turned so insular, even in the church. And we had looked at our sins and we had studied other people's sins. And it's debilitating God's people. It's debilitated you. It's debilitated me. And we have made judgments according to the flesh. 
and we had looked at the circumstance and let that dictate us and dictate what our life story is. And as you hear last week's message, we let that narrative guide us instead of the Teva narrative. The narrative that is not made with man's hands. The narrative that we didn't design. And it's only possible in the Teva narrative that he would have the full determination of your life. And in his full determination of your life would be your complete and utter freedom. That's how light works in the ascension. That's how light moves out to you by revelation and through you what? And he declares that Jesus is faithful. Send forth your light and your faithfulness. I heard a song years ago. It just would play over and over. It came out of IHOP, Kansas City. It's like, even though I've not been faithful, you are. It's not declaring that because I don't know if you've ever had to deal with guilt where you've let somebody down before. And they're like, you didn't pass muster on the last thing and see how you act and you were unfaithful. And somebody will let you know that or you'll let yourself know that. Now I'll tell you one of the quickest ways out of that. It's not to, don't get me wrong, repent if you've done wrong. You know, because God is faithful to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm not going to preach you a hyper-grace message up here. But one of the greatest things you'll ever do is declare his faithfulness. Because where I have been unfaithful, and we all have, because we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, I declare to you, and you can declare yourself, he is faithful. He's trustworthy where I've not been. He doesn't manipulate when I have. He doesn't control like I have. He's faithful. I tell you, when you settle in on that, and you're in the middle of your broken button, it's life-giving. It's like, how could you be in the middle of a struggle and have so much joy? This is what, this is what he does, he says. I know that this will escort me back to your holy hill. David is confident. This man isn't saying something he doesn't know. He says, I know this. I know that, I know that I need an escort. I know that I need to be escorted out of the dimension of my circumstance here now. I know that it's telling me something different. I know that my button's been smashed. I don't like what's going on, but I know how to get an escort. I know how to get propelled. I learned this in my early days, killing a lion and a bear, defeating Goliath. I learned years ago how to get escorted in the middle of my circumstance right into Zion, the place where heaven and earth is. I, I learned an escort methodology. Now I would have, and, and you have postscript. You even learned a new methodology. <laughs> Fly. Oh, man. I didn't know anything about this until God taught me through lots of broken buttons. I, I wanted you in Zion with me. I want you seated with me in heavenly places. You already are. I want you to know it. It'll escort me back to Zion. And listen to this. Watch this. It's in Psalm 68, 18. 
to the place where you live. We've been trying to go home because we've been in exile. And God says, I am home. In the text, it's called the Mishkanote in the Hebrew. That's what his house is called, the Mishkanote. It's his dwelling place, his tabernacle. It's his home. I'm going to go to Zion, and I'm going to go to your house. Hey, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. We're going to your house. I'm at home. Now you're going to learn to be at home with me. Right. I love this, and, and this is what is happening here. This is what can happen in a cave, a closet, a cathedral, or a castle. It does not matter. I will go to the altar of God. This is the God who gives me ecstatic joy. And I'm going to express my thanks to you. I'm going to express it with the guitar. In his case, a harp. On some stringed instrument, in some way, he realized that all his joy was wrapped up in going to daddy's home. The Lord will have you know this. He'll have you know this before he'll settle things. He would want you to know this before he had settled things in the natural dimension for you. He tells him in Haggai that, why don't you pay attention to your panel houses? You have bags with holes in it. Go build the house of the Lord. Haggai too, right? You see this all throughout the text. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And I'm sure you can think of many more. But God is telling David, he'll say, if you'll build my house, I'll build yours. I, I thought for years it was a facility. I'll be honest with you. I thought it was a place. No, it's his person. Let me declare that to you. It's himself living his life in you, Christ, in you, the hope of glory. You want your outward situation, your button-smashing situation settled? Go to daddy's home. You want to see the chaos resolved in your family and your extended family and your loved ones? You want to see it dealt with? Go home to Papa. Go where he's at. Go hang out with him. Go hang out in his home. Because when you do, you're out of exile. You're going to have the greatest ecstatic joy that you'll ever know. You don't have to wander anymore. Now the expression or the idiom, I think, saying idiom a lot this last week, but Kara's like, use that word like three times. I was like, I just found out what it was. <laughs> idiom, idiom, idiom. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. It's, it, it's the expression, home is where the, home is where Jesus is in you, Christ in you. Then why are you so depressed? Oh, my soul, why are you so upset? This is why, this is what happens. At, I'm closing this this morning. He declares something with an emphatic exclamation part, point. David says this, wait 
for God. Why? Because the natural order of things, what's in heaven, has to come to earth. And sometimes there's a delay. There's coming a time when there'll be no more delays. It'll just be instant. And I, I like this because I found this in my own Christian walk, and I want to encourage you with this. this is the last thing he says, but do not miss it because earlier on he says, in verse 4 he says, I will give thanks to God. But don't miss this, what he says in verse 5. After he declares, I will wait for the Lord, he says, I will again give thanks to God. I, I remember one time I was struggling with something I was going through it and I, I went and got on my knees and I was thanking the Lord and I was experiencing his presence and I come out of that situation and I feel such God's love and everything and then I come out of that and he said I don't know it's about 30 minutes later and he says won't you come back to the altar don't miss it don't miss the double thanksgiving I went back and got on my knees again beside the bed and I began to just give him thanks again oh oh, oh man oh my lord don't miss the double thanksgiving and I tell you that was where my breakthrough was solidified let's all stand together I think it's what it is, is that you're really. Um, <clears throat> because I'm going to thank him again for his saving intervention. I feel like this happens every Sunday. Because here we are again with an opportunity to give him a double thanks. As we are going to close this service. It's our opportunity again. for the double thanksgiving there's something that happens I'm, I declare this to you I, I know this I mean, you've been waiting on him and trusting him and you've been thanking him but then all of a sudden you find your soul going down in depression again you know why it's struggling to believe it's, it's struggling with the yes and the amen You've been to the shelter of God. You've been to Zion. You've been to the place where the home is in you. And then you're like, why am I still feeling discouraged and upset? Give thanks. Oh, I'm telling you. I've done this so many times. Breakthrough every time. Don't miss your opportunity today. Don't miss this as, as we magnify the Lord with me and give him thanks again and again. That's why it says in Zechariah that there will be shouts, not of just grace shouts of grace on grace 
because his soul says, I believe you, Lord, and you are my victory. All my springs are in you, Lord. All my hope is found in you. This is my violence to give him thanks. This is my aggressiveness. I will praise you, Lord, with my whole heart. I'll give you my whole self. It was a body that you wanted anyways, not sacrifice and offering, but me, so that you can have a home in me. Who is like this God? Who is like him? Faithful and true are you, Lord. Again, I say, my soul is transported in you. I found my home. And you found your resting place in me. Breathe, oh, church of the living God, out of exile. Though we've sat in darkness, we shall rise. The awakening is upon us. The awakening is real. Who is like our God? Who is like my God? like my king he rules with compassion and love who is like my warrior he rescues me will avenge me it's only
the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. and he said this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me Passion, it is a fire. 